physical media and entertainment. For Hello, I want to play a game. What's going on, everybody? This is the From Screen to Shelf podcast, episode two. My name is Will. I'm here with Gabe and Chase. This is the podcast where we talk about physical media, entertainment, everything in between, from the silver screen to the palm of your hand. But before we get started here, before I pass it on to my colleagues, I want to speak on behalf of all of us for uh, everybody, or, or two, I should say, everybody that listened to our last episode and provided us with feedback. We, we love you guys so much. Uh, our expectations have been shattered. And I think I, uh, I speak for Gabe and Chase when I say that this is beyond what we ever expected this to turn into, even for episode one. Uh, and we're super excited. We're super motivated to keep going and providing you guys with great discussions. But we really appreciate each and every single one of you who listened to the first episode. It means so much to us from family, friends, uh, everybody that we shared it with, especially our Discord community, our 4K physical media community. You guys mean so much to us. Uh, and with that, uh, we're gonna we're gonna get started here. Um, but before we get going, actually, I got I got something in from from somebody here. I don't know, I don't know who sent it. I don't know if you guys can see. It just says "Play me." <laughs> um, so I'm not sure. I, I'm, I'm not sure what what to make of this, to be honest. But um, you might want to be careful. I guess we'll. With uh, yeah, I'm I'm a little nervous, guys. To be completely honest, it's just there's there's some kind of there's like this thing's really grody. I'm gonna have to wash my hands after this, but um. <laughs> I guess we'll fire it up and just just see what they have to say. If you guys are cool with that, I don't know. Are you, yeah, let's, we let's do it. See, man. Let's hear. Let's, let's see what they say. All right, all right. Let's do it. All right. Hello. I want to play a game. Day after day, you sit here and talk about meaningless subject matter, boring everyone with your shitty opinions on new releases and the latest. Your opinions are shitty. I think I'd rather like chop off my leg than watch the nun two. So the nun two, <laughs> I'm gonna die, guys. I'm, I can't do it. All right, we no, no we got to think. I mean, Chase, you're you're more of an expert on the Saw franchise than I am. How do we get out of this? Uh, I think in this do? instance, whenever you know it comes to life or death or watching the nun two, I think we just have to take the punishment and embrace the fate that's being handed to us by John Kramer himself at this point. Oh, hundred percent, a hundred percent. I, I think we we got this though. Okay. I think well, I, I at least on my end, I think about, we can. Right? Yeah, I, I, we can talk about how Saw has impacted the the horror, uh, the horror community, and and how it how it's maybe the peak of horror cinema. I know some people may disagree with that, but at least on my end, it's been 
it's been a super important franchise on my end. Like I think it's 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 something I grew up with, and I think it's also it, it's something at least for me, like growing up, like it, it was cool having like my generation's serial killer, so to speak. Uh, I think I was talking with you guys about this earlier, where you know you had the '80s, where you had you know uh, Freddy Krueger, you got Mike Myers, you got Jason. And then kind of growing up in the early 2000s, we really didn't have anything, at least that I can recall. So when Saw came out, I think it was it was new, it was fresh, and it was like finally like, okay, we got this, you know, demented, sick dude that can be considered, you know, what I like our generation's serial killer. So at least on my end, I can I can talk about at length how Saw is peak horror cinema. Um, so I, I'm confident I can get out of this trap. I don't know about you guys, but... Um, I, what do you, what do you guys think about Saw in general in terms of its release and its legacy and how it's impacted horror? Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've I've got quite the unique perspective, which I know we've kind of been waiting to be. Sh- I've I've said it before with how Saw has personally impacted me. It started my love and kind of not really hate for horror, but it kept me away from it for a long time because I had quite the unique experience. I got a hold of the original Saw not too long. Around, uh, I was want to say I was around nine, ten years old when I first watched Saw One. So whenever I watched Saw One, that movie terrified me and shook me to my core. That movie kept me up for three, maybe four days. Um, just I, I couldn't sleep. Everything, every movement I did was an anticipation of Jigsaw coming after me. I would look under my bed. Even a trip to the bathroom became a black ops mission, and I had to go full on military style. Um, in, in fear of my life. And you want to know how I tried to remedy that? Of course, I watched Saw 2. What else would I do? I, I, I wouldn't avoid Saw, right? You would think I would, but I'd try to drown it out with more Saw, and that made it worse. That made it way worse. So it kept me away from horror forever. I was terrified of anything that was even remotely horror. Um, and it, it's, it's why it has a special place in my heart. And it just like you said, Gabe, it's it's amongst my favorite franchises for sure. Um, top three easily. Um, Friday the Thirteenth has a special place because it never scared me in place of Saw because I love hockey. So um, Saw shook me to the core, and even whenever I was like fourteen or fifteen and watched Saw three, it was a rinse and repeat cycle. Um, there's just something about Jigsaw for some reason, and I know that's pretty unique. Very few, if nobody, I've met personally has been shook into the core like that from saw and nothing has even gotten close outside of sinister sinister got the closest for me personally to, to actually making me feel that same level level of fear from a movie but that's how saw personally impacted me and that's why it has a special place in my heart what was I it that it. oh go, go ahead well no i was just gonna say i love that your remedy was like oh i'm just gonna keep watching them and they, <laughs> yeah. maybe they'll get more family friendly as the uh, franchise goes on and i'll be less scared but desensitize awesome. yourself that. Yeah, but I, yeah, what 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 was so? Because I think Will and I were talking about this earlier. Like a lot of people aren't necessarily like scared from Saw. You know what I mean? A lot of people are grossed out by it because of the gore. But like, what what was so scary about it that like kept you like looking over your shoulder? So I think what it was, I remember the particular scene. It's the barbed wire scene in Saw One, or like the uh, like the thin wire where the guys got to go through it. I think it's yeah, the Jeff, editing. I think it was Jeff. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it was the editing, like the constant, like a shock aspect, the shaky cam or like the, 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 the jump transitions and the staticky effect in combination with his voice and the pig squeal. And then, you know, the laugh, mm. um, it wasn't necessarily like, I'm not afraid of clowns. I thought it was that for the longest time, 
but I, I don't think it's necessarily clowns. I, I, I'm still trying to figure out what it is. Every Saw 1 rewatch, I'm trying to go back to 9, 10-year-old nine, Chase and really deep dive and really go through a little bit of a session and try to figure out what shook me so bad. But I do remember the part, because I was in bed watching it. I just took my dad's Blu-ray and put it in my um, my player. And I don't think he knew I got a hold of it. So um, whenever I watched it, I remember that being the part where I like took the covers and I was like, slowly putting them over my face and trying to avoid any and all eye contact with him. Cause it's definitely not John Kramer, you know, but the mask, mm-hmm. the Billy puppet, the laugh, all of that. It, <laughs> it terrified me. It shook me. It changed me. It changed me. It made me the man that you see today. Interesting. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. Cause like, yeah, like I said, a lot of people get freaked out by the gore, but I mean, there are, I mean, there are some super scary elements to it. Like when you go back and watch it, like what you said with the editing, at least with Saw franchise, like, I don't think, I'm trying to think of other horror, you know, franchises that maybe did this, but like the editing where it's like, you know, you see like someone trying to get out the trap and then like, you know, you see that kind of that shaky cam footage or like, you know, those quick flashes of like, you know, maybe cuts to the skin or whatever. Like the the editing was like super unique and that could have been just because it was so, I think the, lo- the first one was so low budget. I think it was like a million dollars. So I think they were super creative with the budget that they had. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that had to be what it was because like, I remember saw two, like the aspect of it. And I, I think really fundamentally what it is, is like with an innocent mind like that at that time, it's like people do this to each other. I think, <laughs> you know, like getting a hold of that. It's like getting a hold of like kind of how like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Blair Wish kind of shook people around that time. It felt like you were getting a hold of a home video. I think that's how I really processed it. I was like, oh my God. I'm witnessing like the the most wild crimes in America at this point. So that's really, really what shook me fundamentally to my core for sure. Like uh, that really was, I know that aspect for sure. But yeah, the camera angles, everything like that. Like I just really consider that, like you were saying, like the utmost peak of American cinema uh, up there with like Texas Chainsaw and then, you know, some other ones that have been done. And yeah, I, I consider it to be one of the greatest horror movies of all time, for sure. Personally, it's because of how it impacted me as well. Yeah, for sure. I know like there's a lot of love for the first one. Uh, and then kind of after that, everyone, everyone's opinions kind of differ. What what about you, Will? What about like with the Saw franchise? How is it kind of, how have you perceived it over time? I mean, the first one's definitely memorable for me. And after watching it again, you know, before talking about it today on the podcast, I think it's, I, I definitely appreciate it more. Um, I didn't see it right in 2004. I think 2005 or 2006 was when I first saw it. And at that time, or by that time, I should say, the second movie had been close to release. Mm-hmm. Uh, either it had already been in theaters or, or just about to be. Uh, and I watched the first movie and... There was a game that I played at the time. I'm going to shameless plug here for uh, Condemned Criminal Origins. I don't know if you guys ever remember that game. It was yep. for the Xbox. Mm-hmm. And I remember playing that game at the time. And then it was around the same time I discovered Saw. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Because it was, you know, this whole concept of these two guys obviously trapped in a room, having no recollection of how they got there, at least at first. Uh, and at the same time, there's these, you know, crazy murders, these these wild, like, murders involving, you know, people caught in traps that are being investigated. It just had that kind of vibe, like, very grimy, like, just dirty, uh, but at the same time, like, just sinister vibe to it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's also important that we touch on what was going on with with cinema, or at least with horror at the time. I mean, this was, like, the mid-2000s. At that point, we had 
we had gone through the period of the 90s where horror kind of took a backseat to other genres. There wasn't really anything in the 90s until Scream that really resonated with audiences, at least on a mainstream scale, right? And so, you know, by the time Saw was released, it's something that audiences weren't exposed to uh, for some time. You know, the whole, you know, the torture porn or Gorno, as they used to say, I think that's another, you know, word that people use to describe movies like it. Uh, Hostel was another one of those movies. Yeah. But for a while, you know, horror was kind of focused on, you know, obviously after Scream, we had a lot of, you know, imitations, you know, the whole, you know, teen slasher genre mm -hmm. of the late 90s, I should say, with, you know, I Know What You Did Last Summers and Urban Legends and those kind of movies. And then going into the early 2000s, we got a lot of the J-horror remakes, you know, like yeah. The Ring and, and movies of that ilk, so to speak. So when 2004 came around uh, and s movies like Saw and Hostel came out, it was something that people had not been exposed to in some time. And I think that's why it was so impactful, because it was something new. Uh, and to touch on what Chase had, had mentioned briefly, Jigsaw was the first he was the first icon that we had been exposed to, I'd say, on a, on a large scale since Ghostface that had lasting cultural impact mm -hmm. right, uh, throughout the horror genre and movies in general. You know, something that was instantly recognizable, that was marketable, um, and obviously stuff like that people people get attached to. People associate that with 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 horror. So Saw kind of became, at least for me and a lot of my friends at the time, the face of the horror genre, right? And then obviously Hostel came out, I think, a year or two later, I think 2005, I want to say. Yeah. Um, so I had discovered it around that time, and yeah, it definitely impacted me. Um I don't know how we want to move forward in our discussion, but yeah, the ending definitely stuck with me. Um, yeah, well, I want to touch on again. the ending for sure. The ending's fantastic, dude. And, and I'll go out on a whim and say this. I don't know if, if how many people will agree with me, but I think in a, in a world where there never, it, let's say there was never a sequel to the first film, I think that film would have achieved cult status. For right? sure. Because the, the mm -hmm. ending was so perfect. It, it ended on such a raw, like bleak note. And I love that shit. Like, I eat that shit up. You know, it reminded me a lot of, you know, later on when I got into a lot of Korean cinema, especially like Korean horror, they take that same approach. You know, there's not always a happy ending. Um, and it's just, it's so bleak um, and, and sinister. And that's what I think I love about the first movie, but also the fact that you you get to hang out with these characters, you know, Dr. Gordon uh, and Adam in the room, and you get to know who they really are, you know, and it yeah. takes its time to kind of develop that and build on that. And that's something that the subsequent movies, they still do that. They still pay a lot of attention to character development over the course of the franchise, especially with lore uh, more so. Um, but that first film, again, it just feels much more intimate, you know, and I think that's yeah. why it works so well for me, uh, even after, you know, rewatching, it's like, wow, this was really good, you know? There's some lines of dialogue, I will say, that kind of gave me a chuckle. I think Adam's character, like here, I was watching oh, it with God. my girl. Yeah. And it's uh, the scene where he's like, oh, this is the most fun I've had without lubrication. There's some yeah. like head turners in there. I'm like, what? Like, you know, so some of the dialogue's a little off for me. But other than that, I think the structure, the story, the editing, it, it's super well done. Um, and just what I was into at the time, like playing Condemned, that game scared the hell out of me. And Saw was like right in that genre of, or it just had that vibe to me. And I, I associated that with that kind of, uh, just that kind of grittiness and like, there was almost like a true crime aesthetic to yeah, it. Yeah, it's like a noir way, kind of atmosphere to it. 
Exactly. And like you guys mentioned the flashback scene, or in this case, um, the razor wire, right. With one of the previous yeah. victims, um, it had that vibe to it. And I love, I love that. I love that they did that with the editing. And obviously we, we see that in the later films as well. But yeah, I, I think more so just the impactfulness of Jigsaw as an icon. It was something that people had not been exposed to in some time with mm -hmm. the whole gore, torture, porn aesthetic. And that was shocking at the time to a lot of people. So, yeah. And I also kind of like what you said with the, with the story and the character development. At least for me, like not, not only was it it, it, we we had our own kind of like serial killer for our generation, so to speak. But I I loved it so much because of the character development and the plot. Because like yeah. uh, I mean, horror movies are there's such a spectrum, right? Like you have the campy ones, you have the ones you just watch just to see gore and you know people die and all that. But this one kind of had this this slow burn where you get to know these characters and then the ending which to me I, i'm not ashamed to say it's one of my favorite endings in cinema period like like when i saw him getting up from the bathroom my jaw fucking hit the floor i was like what <laughs> yeah. the fuck and i love showing that ending to like friends or people who haven't seen it like i'll I'll seriously sit down and watch saw with them and like you know just take a peek while i'm you know showing them the movie and then when they see john kramer get up they're like <laughs> they're like what the fuck they're just like flabbergasted it's, yeah. it's a genius ending and i think and it, and it kind of they, they take that approach with the other films like you said well maybe it kind of like loses some traction a little bit but they do focus on character and i think that that draws me a lot personally and also the, just the twist i love the twist at the end of each movie now like after the third one i think they you know it was kind of hit and miss but at least with the first three the twists always kind of impressed and impressed me on my end i always love the twist and how it just kind of ends and just cuts to black and you're like kind of left wanting more um but i I think it was something people hadn't seen you have, you have a horror movie that like really cares about character development you have and then like also the uniqueness of john kramer as well because he's i mean obviously he's like a bad dude but he's like punishing like these pretty shitty people like it, it's it's not kind of like you know your regular horror movie where you want everyone to survive it's like a part of you is also kind of like yeah that person's a piece of shit like i, I can kind of get why he's in that trap but it, it's kind of it gives you this kind of like gray area in terms of morality like you know do these people deserve it obviously not but you can kind of understand from his perspective why he's putting these people in the in these traps so it's he, he has a code right he exactly he, he lives by or, or acts by a specific set of rules which obviously is touched on in the movies countless times but and and that's what's great about it is that he's for the most part consistent with that mm -hmm. you know they don't veer off the deep end where it's like okay suddenly he's going to start you know doing this but it, it's very much cut and dry he has a very specific goal um there's a lot of psychology behind it which i think i mean at least i saw it with my girl she appreciated that aspect of it she's not big on gore um and like i'm i'm cool with gore i like gore i like practical effects and all that that's right mm -hmm. up my alley but that only works if you have good stories and good characters to build upon right and to to establish that first it makes it that much more effective um but yeah to, to piggyback on what you said it, it's like a at the time at least it was a thinking man's horror movie you know mm -hmm. and it was it, i remember it being dismissed like oh it's another one of these it's just a lot of gore and it's like no it's it's more than that it it really is a story very intimate, like well-told story-driven horror movie which was um at the time like i said very refreshing i don't remember and what else was even out uh in 2004 and 2005 that i can think of off the top of my head you a know, bunch of bad remakes <laughs> yeah yeah well again with the j <laughs> horror remakes and all that mm -hmm. and, and yeah, the early 2000s like they would just remake everything except the cast gets like younger and prettier and it's just like you know mm -hmm. i think people were starting to get tired of that 
especially coming off of like the boom that Scream had created. Yeah. People were just looking for something different, and it was, you know, a combination of really a really well thought out story, um, a fantastic character, obviously that to this day has lasting impact, um, but also probably a little bit of audience fatigue, you know, given what what movies were being released, you know, in the years uh, preceding Saw. So yeah. And also, just a shout out, because uh, that guy who plays Adam, uh, I think his name's Lee Wanell. He he was actually the screenwriter for the first three. Um, so he he did a fantastic job. And also, you had mentioned the marketing. Well, I think they did a genius thing with the marketing, because I remember it was like the, the mantra was like, if it's Halloween, it must be Saw. It was like every year there was a yeah. new Saw movie. And it was just like, you know, just a well-oiled machine at that point. But when when it was at its peak, I was like, you know, you'd be excited for the next Saw movie. You're like, shit, it's, it's, it's coming. It's October. And um, obviously like the quality kind of started going up and down, but I, I, I liked that whole mantra where it was like every Halloween you had a new Saw movie, whereas other franchises, you'd have to wait a few years between installments. Yeah. And I want to pose this question to you guys. I'm assuming all of us have the physical 4k release, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, I'm assuming we watched it. That's whenever that's the version we rewatched. I wanted yeah. to shout out that Atmos mix on there. That Atmos mix on that is just absolutely stunning the sound system like or the sound staging i'm sorry uh the way that it sounds and just the way that every single minute detail gets staged in that atmos track with the 7.1 um the way that they are able to keep the same like kind of reminds me of the transfer from second sight for texas chainsaw where they kept the grungy aesthetic while cleaning it up a little bit where it needed to be in moments mm -hmm. where it made sense without losing the true core value of it because just to go full circle to like everything we have been talking about and encompassing that itself. That's one of the most charming aspects of that is it was filmed so low budget and it, and it sells itself a little, like a lot better, actually not even a little bit, a lot better in that aspect. Um, it doesn't necessarily come off documentary esque, but it does a, a, a little bit, you know? Um, mm. I, I really appreciate like that 4k release and the way that the sound is done, the amount of love that was given to that, to the script, to the acting, everybody mm -hmm. was just so stoked to be aboard of that or on board on that. And yeah, it's just, it's a, it, it's, it's, it has its status for a reason. And it's an annual rewatch for me. I watch it every single year. Sometimes I might watch three cause three is my personal favorite. Uh, cause of how different oh, it is. Yeah. I like, yeah, I was going to say that's it's because spoiler alert, give it a few seconds to marinate on that one so for saw three Spoilers. <laughs> um i like how it's all about mental um it's very little physical and it's all yeah. about mentally torturing this guy um making him get over a death in the family and stuff like that because at first i'm like golly why would you punish this guy for this but then you kind of find out more and more details in the way that it all came full circle like that's one of the reasons I appreciate that uh, Saw 1 through 3 the most, even though I love some of the later ones, mm -hmm. is it jumps back and forth so much and pays homage to that. Like, there's so much minor detail in the first one that can that sets up the, the, the following 10 films. And even with what we're going to get into with Saw X here shortly, that even sets it up to still make material today because there's so much jam-packed in that runtime. And it just makes it for such a special viewing. It really does. And you can really take away new things like... Personally, me, each time I rewatch that, I just want Adam to die faster and faster every single time. I just really don't like his like he's he's well done, but he plays that character yeah. that it's like, I want you to die um fast <laughs> and get yeah. off screen. 
Yeah. I want to shout that Atmos track out for the first film because it, it was so well done. Like, mm -hmm. dude, it's mostly dialogue driven, as you guys know, the film. But there's just the small, like, atmospheric sounds that they, they brought out so much, like yeah. the pipe squeaking, the, like, the glass and, like, metal clanking in the bathroom and all that. It's just, it was so well done, you know? And, like, I remember watching it before. Like, you know, you watch it on a standard format, a DVD or whatever, and it's like, you know, the people, especially the screams, it sounds like they're in a tin can or something. Yeah. Um, they're very compressed. They really brought that out. Like, even the gunshots. Like, I remember when when they're on the pursuit um, and they're chasing um, John through the halls, you know, just the steam and, like, the pipes, all mm -hmm. that. They, they brought that all out. It's just so much more immersive. And again, I don't want to, like, make this sound similar to what we talked about with The Exorcist, but... It's a testament to what they're doing with these Atmos tracks. They really make watching these movies again so much more of a, a heightened experience, you know, after so many years. So, yeah, uh, shout out to uh, to everybody that worked on the sound mixing because unbelievable work. Probably, I'd say out of everything I've seen this year, it's probably in the top five. I mean, Ex Exorcist is there as well, um, but I'd say I'd say Saw for sure. Like, and and the second one I don't have on a on a physical copy so we watched that on streaming but yeah one stood out to me for that reason and some of it's because of like what i think both of you mentioned is just the budget right when you have a budget like that you really have to like squeeze it and you really have to nitpick and focus on like how can i get this sound effect that that's gonna and make it impactful right so like i think that when you have a budget like that it almost like makes you like even more focused on de delivering a better experience like at least with the sound um, yeah. So I, I and I think that's what the Atmos track delivered for sure. And I, I don't know when we're getting the other ones because I know it's just the first ones on 4K, right? They haven't released the other ones. One uh, Jigsaw is, which I know we all love, right? Oh, that's the most loved. Uh, that's the most loved uh, entry in the franchise for sure. Um, and Spiral. We, yeah, yeah, we uh, we we love it. I mean, this is yeah. this is peak cinema we're discussing. Here, oh wait, guys. yeah, we have to get out of our our trap, right? So yeah, we love Jigsaw. Yeah. <laughs> speak cinema yeah um but yeah I'm, I'm hoping they do and it's interesting with these movies though because they're shot so gritty um the the 4k for the for the first installment it it, it the sound is obviously like the, where you're gonna get the most like bang for your buck because oh, yeah. i mean the it, the way it's shot it's shot on you know it's traditional 35 millimeter it's it's not and i i don't know what what happened with that transfer but even even with the original like when you see it like with the blu-ray just really shot like really rough so yeah. i don't know how much the 4ks are really going to deliver outside of maybe like the hdr um but I, i'm excited I, i'll purchase all of them on 4k um I'm, I'm excited for them i'm surprised honestly they haven't released um saw 2 this year because i think it would yeah. have been a good approach with like how they did the scream series just kind of going back and you know releasing one per year i think that they should have with saw x coming out they should have been like you know here's saw 2 and the next year do saw 3 and kind of go from there but We'll Maybe see, it'll be a but set. I mean, yeah, or deliver it. I'll buy a box set of Saw. Yeah, I'd be the first one to probably do it. I don't know about you guys, but <laughs> um, it's. I I think the legacy of Saw. I think it, obviously it's had a huge impact, and um, I think we're also at a time too where it's like a new generation getting into it as well. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? We mm -hmm. saw it like early mid two thousand fives, and now you have people, you know, maybe like teenagers and you know people starting college that are getting into saw and going back and watching the other one so i i don't know what the future for saw holds um especially after saw x but i i guess we'll see uh which leads us into saw x so we each saw it um i think you guys saw it thursday night right oh i did i saw it at uh, uh, um nine mm. yeah friday for me i saw it 
Yeah, I saw it Friday night, seven thirty showing. Um, okay. So you guys have some crowd. decent on crowd. It? Yeah, I saw it yesterday, yeah. um, and it was a pretty decent. It was like half packed theater, so it, it wasn't too bad. So I'm curious. I, I know we kind of were like texting each other. And we didn't want to say what we thought because we were like, we want to save this for the podcast. So I'm curious to see what you guys thought of Saw X. So I know, so Chase saw it first. So maybe you had a little bit more time to marinate on it. So what was your impression of Saw X? And just to let you guys know, we'll maybe just get get into first impressions first and then go into spoilers for people who haven't seen it since it's, it just came out this week. So uh, sure. Chase, what is what are your first impressions of it? Yeah, um, I had a a pretty 50 50 take on it. It, it. I'm still marinating on it. Um, I think it definitely warrants me going and getting it, giving it a second viewing. I don't, I don't dislike it, but I didn't walk away loving it for sure. Uh, I went and saw it at Dolby cinemas. So I got to see it with an Atmos track and with Dolby vision. And I really think that helped elevate it to an extent. I don't think it was as great of a use of the 7.1 with what we were talking about with like saw one, um, even for like a theater setting, there was some really, really cool scenes where, you know, it'd come from left to right and it really helped heighten the experience for me for sure. That's why I really like going to see them in Dolby cinemas because it can really elevate an experience for you. Um, I will say without spoilers, I did find parts of it absolutely goofy. Uh, like there were just parts where I just kind of laughed a little bit, um, like I genuinely laughed. And there were just some parts where I thought it was a little bit relentless. Um, and once we get into spoiler territory, I will, I will go full on into that. Cause that was really my biggest complaint was how relentless in a non-saw manner. It seemed to come off for me. Mm. So you and I aren't friends anymore, pretty much. <laughs> no, nope. I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Podcast is done guys. Pack up and go home. Guys, we have, listen, we have to help each other get out of this. We yeah, can't, we can't, exactly. We can't start turning on each you other. Sure. You don't want to change your review, Chase. <laughs> It was the greatest thing I've seen since uh, Exorcist a couple of weeks ago. It's peak cinema. It overtook that as the greatest horror movie of all time, guys. There we go. Uh, Will, you saw it yesterday. What were your your thoughts and impressions on it? Yeah, um, I think think Chase and I are kind of in the same boat here. Um, I had the same thoughts. It was like during the screening where, you know, these moments happen and I'm I'm just sitting there in my seat like, what? Like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> like why are they why are they doing this? Um, but at the same time, there were things that I really enjoyed about it, uh, more so than the the latter films. I mean, one through three for me, I'd say are, are all solid movies. I've seen parts of four and five, um, and this is probably where I'm I'm I'm, I'm not going to survive this game because I, I haven't seen the more recent films in their entirety. Spiral, uh, Jigsaw, so I'm not as familiar with the the lore in regards to the the latter releases but i will say this i mean the character development and the moments uh more intimate moments that we get in this movie were in, in some ways refreshing um i understand why they they made some of the choices that they made without going into spoiler territory but overall yeah i'm 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 torn on it i i think and i've said this before with new movies, I have to see the movie at least twice. You know, the first viewing, mm-hmm. like I said, I, I go in with an open mind um, and just try to absorb everything in and whatever whatever reactions I have are the most genuine that they're going to be. And then usually the second viewing is where I go in with a more critical take and I, I try to pick it apart a little bit more. So I definitely want to see it again. I'll, I'll probably, I'm not going to see it in theaters. I'll wait for the uh, for the physical release. But I'm I'm interested to see how I feel, you know, several months from now. Um, when I watch it again, but yeah, definitely warrants a second watch just because I'm so undecided 
Uh, and sometimes I walk out of initial viewings and I know exactly how I feel. But yeah, I'm still trying to kind of put my thoughts together on it. But yeah, there's definitely things about this movie that I know people will have a problem with. And I knew that right away. Like, oh, this is going to, this is going to, mm-hmm. you know, turn some fans of the franchise off a little bit. So, and we'll talk about that obviously when we go more into spoilers. But that's pretty much where I stand. I'm kind of 50 50 right with Chase. Yeah. So. And I will say I agree with the the notion of especially with Saw. I feel like you definitely need to watch them more than once because like I, I I've never walked out of a Saw movie and been able to give like a hundred percent like my what where I'd rank it in the series, um, and especially with the twists and everything. Like you would definitely want to want to watch it again and look out for the clues and and kind of you know sit and marinate with how it kind of impacts you. But um, I think Saw more than a lot of other franchises, you definitely want to watch it again. Um, and I'm the same with you. Well, I'll probably watch it when the physical release comes out. Um, on my end, I I think I liked it a lot more than you guys did. I walked out. I, I actually loved it. Um, but I do see where, and we'll talk about it when we go into spoilers. The, the tone of this movie is completely different from all the other ones. Like if you're expecting, you know, and this isn't a spoiler with the other ones, if you're expecting kind of, you know, start it off with like a trap and, you know, people are in this game and, you know, you don't know what's going on, which is pretty much the theme of all the other ones. You're just kind of thrown into a situation and you kind of learn as the movie progresses. Um, This one's not that at all. This one is like, you know, 30, 40 minutes of like building up a story. Um, Mm -hmm. And with like, I mean, I, I would say a good half hour of just, like story and character development before you even get into any of the horror stuff. Um, so it's definitely a different tone. Um, and I can definitely see how that might be decisive or divisive with, with the community. I think that there's going to be people who love this movie and people who hate this movie. Um, but in, in terms of like the other installments, I would, I'd probably say it's as good as the first three um, on my end. I'd need, I'd need to watch it again. Um, there are some little issues I had with it, um, some nitpicky stuff. Um, I'm curious to see what, what Chase says when he says he laughed at a few parts. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I loved it. And my I went to go see it with my wife. She, she enjoyed it a lot as well. So um, I, I'd give it like a solid 8 out of 10. First, first viewing. I mean, I, I, I want to see it again and see how I feel about it. But I liked the different approach. I think it was time, you know, with a 10th installment to do something different. You can't keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect, you know, uh, mm. to, to you know, deliver to the community. So I, I liked the, the risk that they took. I think it paid off on my end. But obviously, it's not going it, to, it's not going to appeal to uh, all the fans of the, the Saw franchise. So... Um, I, I, do you guys want to get into the spoiler cast right now? Maybe yeah. warning right now for, for spoilers. So we'll, we'll be getting into spoilers right now. So if you have not seen Saw X or Saw 10, I don't know how they want us to pronounce it. I've seen like everyone say Saw X, so I'll call it Saw X. We are going to get into spoilers for Saw X. So, uh, we will post, um, maybe in the description, uh, you know, the, the timestamps as to when you can kind of fast forward to get uh, past the spoilers and continue with the podcast. But Chase, so we're gonna get into spoilers. I know you said there's some parts that you just yeah. thought were goofy. What what was going on, man? So I so it was the beginning. I'm not sure if it because the sequence of events was oh okay no it was about I say the 10 minute marker with the janitor. Um, whenever the the finger the finger trap. Yeah, I would have to say that's the easiest trap to get out of. The guy should have just cranked that to six, and then he would have walked away and kept his eyeballs. With that being the promotional poster, I think that should have been mm-hmm. a lot better executed. Um, and I yeah. get it, you know, the whole cross tubing to give you yeah. that aspect of, you know, something different. 
I found that super goofy. Like, snap your fingers back. That's probably the most healable trap that Jigsaw has ever mm-hmm. put somebody into. So I just think, like, I was just sitting there kind of laughing. I was one of the only people laughing, and my friends kept looking at me like, you know, like giving me the side eye. Like, why is this guy laughing? And I was like, this is the easiest trap I think I've seen Jigsaw no, put somebody in. I agree with that. Yeah, like, guy could have kept his eyeballs by just... You know, and then healed. You know, um, unless. The but did it thing, happen though? Like, like he got to just in. Or- yeah, he got to level three. But now, to my point, and maybe I missed something in the audio tape. There was six dials, mm-hmm. so five fingers, six dials. So maybe you know, going to six might have snapped his wrist. You know, done something a little yeah. bit different, but peeping out mm-hmm. the trap. Um, that was the goofy part for me. Uh, or, I mean, there was a couple of goofy parts. Then whenever I talk about relentless, um, well, before I go into that, because when I start talking relentless, I'm going to start talking about the bone marrow scene. Um, the one with the, essentially, I forget what the exact medical term is for it, but the one with the groat around the leg. Um, yeah. so before that, and I, at first I was kind of, kind of like, Oh my God, why are we like, I want to focus on Tobin bell, but like, where are we getting this first 20, 25, 30 minutes? Like, where's he, where's he going wrong? Because I did actually watch the trailer for Saw X because that is one of the few I will watch. Um, surprise, right? So whenever it comes to that, um, I really liked the aspect that it was a very spontaneous game. And I didn't like the whole, you know, a lot of people were posting like bloody disgusting articles and stuff like that. Even Damien Le- Leone, who was getting his Terrifier 2 talked about as one of the goriest movies and people were puking, giving bags. I'm sorry, but what movie did you watch? Uh, that was one of the least gory saws I've seen, and it made sense, though. And I kind of touched on that for the story because it was one of his most spontaneous games he's ever done. He mm-hmm. literally just set it up on the spot, uh, you know, after everything that had happened to him and, you know, finding out that he had been lied to, right? Mm-hmm. So that leads me to kind of the more relentless aspects. That lady was literally a half second away from survival. She <laughs> survived that game. <laughs> That actually pissed me off for her life. I was like, mm-hmm. she was the closest I've actually probably seen to somebody completing the game. And I get it. You only have, you should have made a more spontaneous decision. But literally a half second more, she would have lived. She should have been given a pass, but I get it, you know. Um, and then. That's same with the the other guy too, with the, and we'll get into it, probably the the bone or the brain matter thing. Where like he, yes. he did it and he was waiting for it to dissolve. And you're like, man, this is like, you know, a Jigsaw should give you an extra 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, because you did it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that actually is one of my going back to full on goofy um, with what I the, the brain thing. Not once while that guy was, you know, jabbing into his own brain. Did he you know what I mean? Kind of like creak, yeah. you know, like you're picking at your brain, my guy. So you highly know. sensitive, highly sensitive, you know, points. And it, it's mm-hmm. like he had no real he was just going you know like going going at it that's what i threw me off i was like really yeah and that goes to the goofy aspect as fun as it was to watch right um and then to come full circle and wrapping up my end on the spoiler part of it but one of the more goofy parts was the final trap that was really really goofy but the waterboarding one or the no that actually that's where i was going to backtrack a little bit before i went on to the goofy ending um you're talking about the money bag as the ending right the yeah. money bag mm. i liked how it was yeah. set up i just thought like you know i i like the whole pinning two people against each other aspect that was that was cool um but the simple fact that you just had to put your head through something and more or less live 
I really didn't feel like was an utmost punishment for for what what she was doing. She should have gotten mm-hmm. like those people below her got way more harsh punishment than what she she full on deserved a lot more. You know, the one lady had to full on grow her leg off. You know what I mean? And suck the bone marrow out of her leg. One dude just open did open brain surgery on himself with no anesthetic, no nothing, no numbing cream, and took it like a champ. And all she has to do is survive poison gas. And that was goofy. Yeah. The child aspect, that actually was like, oh my God, um, semi-spoilers for Evil Dead Rise coming here. Um, we've all seen Evil Dead Rise, right? Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, that took me aback, an Evil Dead Rise, because it had a child's death in that movie. And I thought mm-hmm. we were getting super close to that in Saw. So that actually had me the most tense I had been in a Saw movie for quite a while. Because um, I was like, oh, come on, man. Come on, dude, you know, make it. But, you know, he's able to help Kramer out and stuff like that. And I think that was seeing one of the most human sides of Kramer, you know, ultimately still the game performing the way that he wanted it to go, you know, because as as it backtracked on and had a lot of aspects where it was like this was meant to happen, not necessarily the same exact way, but it made sense. Uh, The twist with the guy, though, I was able to predict. Um, That was the only other thing, like him being the husband. That made sense. You know, you put the phone call together. Somebody was going to show up with what she said. You know what I mean? Um, So with him showing up and he was one of the patients, I was able to, you know, this guy, as soon as he's let go, he's going to switch sides. But that's pretty much it. And that's why, like, I didn't give a score whenever we were kind of touching on it. I'm sitting between a six and an eight because, like, I appreciate goofiness and I appreciate relentlessness. Um, and it was different, like you said, and I like how it's not just, hey, here's another Saw movie, right? Because I just freshly rewatched Jigsaw and Spiral, and those tried to be so different and similar at the same time. And this one took mm-hmm. something while being grounded to its roots and giving us what a lot of people want. Because Tobin Bell, he he's counting his days. You know, he's healthy, and I'm so thankful for that. But it's a matter mm-hmm. of time until we no longer have Tobin Bell have the ability to make these movies. So the aspect where there was no pig masks for him and he was in, I want to say, damn near every single scene. I can't really recall many scenes that he wasn't in, maybe less than 10 minutes of the movie. So if I I was happy in that aspect that we got a full on non jigsaw still, but John Kramer movie. And that's pretty much what I have to say about that. Yeah, I agree with a lot of those critiques, actually. They just didn't. And we'll we'll get into I want to see what Will thought about it. it. It just didn't. I had the same critiques, but I guess it just didn't have an impact. Like I was like more forgiving in the sense where I oh, felt sure. like watching it, where I was like, this is so different to me that I'm like, okay. Cause I agree with you hundred percent with that lady. Like she was, excuse my language. She was such a bitch. She was <laughs> yeah. probably the, the she, such a bitch. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, she should have like had the, the worst trap. And then like, where you just leave her there. Yep. And yeah. So I agree with that a hundred percent, but I feel like a lot of the, the nitpicking I had with this movie was just kind of overshadowed by the tone and like the story approach where I'm like, okay, I can, I can kind of forgive these like little goofy things. Um, but, but Will, I saw you nodding your head with some of what Chase was saying. Did you have a lot of the, like a similar experience? I'd say most of what Chase said. Yeah. And I don't really have much to add. I mean, yeah, the, the poster, the advertising, the marketing, I was really hoping that that was going to be, there was going to be a bigger buildup to that trap. And again, I mean, yeah, you can consider this nitpicking at this point, right? Um, I just wanted more out of that. I felt that, mm-hmm. like Shay said, it was it's just too much. Uh, uh, he could have gotten out of that easily. Yeah. Right? Um, and it, it just, they kind of rushed it, like they went right into it. And I just, I wanted more out of that, you know, for something that you put on a poster. 
Like, because people see that, like me, and and go, oh, okay, shit, that's got to be one of the big. That, that's a the big probably highlights. one of the biggest traps or the highlights of the film, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was a little let down by that, um, and especially the ending. I just, I wanted, I wanted that doctor to really fucking get what she deserved, you know, yeah. because mm-hmm. she was just such a ruthless individual, <laughs> yeah, just a horrible fucking person. And like, like she got off fucking easy. Okay? Yeah, she mm-hmm. got off fucking easy, and that's. I was just kind of shaking my head, like, that's it. Like, yep. you know, it's like, okay, just keep your head here, and yeah, she's gonna die there because there's no other way to get out of it. But I just felt like the people that died before her, like Gabriella, I believe her name was, and mm-hmm. Mateo, their deaths, their their um their tests were so much more brutal. Yeah, and mm-hmm. actually, um, can I piggyback off that, Will? Because you just reminded me. Yeah, go ahead. Gabriella should have been able to walk. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, uh, yeah, well, that's I, the other I, thing. Yeah. yeah, I like how Amanda really correlated uh, and was like trying, like, you're lucky you're, you aren't getting what he's getting because this was supposed to be for right. you. Uh, right. So I wanted to piggyback off that because, like, I think she got the most brutal um, for having the most innocent play out of anybody in there, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, Amanda also empathized with her. Like, oh, yeah. my bad, Will. But yeah, just uh, the whole empathy no, between right. Amanda with her experience as a drug addict like, yeah. and Gabriella's experience as a drug addict. Yeah, and that's, the, that's like, and, and, you know, the audience kind of relates to that too because, like, you, you want to forgive her more so just like we forgave Amanda, you know, once we figured out what was, on, what was going on, I should say, with her backstory, right? Uh, you know, and, and Kramer makes the argument, you know, well, she had free will at the end of the day. You know, she still could have chose to not get involved but like you know with drug addiction those situations are not they're not cut and dry like everything mm-hmm. else right it's like okay i'm gonna choose to to murder this person for their money or something like that whereas people that are involved with drugs you, it's it's not always a, a black and white like like yeah. a lot of other crimes so to speak right it, it's it's much more of a gray area with that kind of subject and so you know, I, I definitely appreciated the fact that they had that moment with Amanda. You know, you kind of see that humanity, which is obviously one of the the high points, I think, of this movie, right? Like, I have a lot of issues with, with certain aspects of it, but I'm kind of with you, Gabe. Like, I, I am willing to forgive a lot of that because at the same time, like, I really appreciated the fact that they took time to show us the vulnerable side of things, right? Yeah. And that's that's not something you even really get a lot in horror in general. So it's just something refreshing, and and it's like you said, after so many films, I think, I think eleven films now, if I'm not mistaken. Like, how much? What else are you going to do? Like, what other direction are you going to go in? You know, you got to try to veer off the beaten path a little bit, and creatively come up with something new, but at the same time maintain, you know, the characteristics and, and the vibe, um, and motifs and and everything about the franchise that people really love and, and why these movies have become, you know, so impactful. You want to maintain that. You want to maintain the core of what makes a Saw movie a Saw movie. Um, but at the same time, you know, introduce some, some new themes, introduce, uh, introduce the film to a new audience, I should say. Because, yeah, I mean, we were just talking about the time, the amount of time that's passed. I mean, Saw was 2004. Um, since the first incarnation of this franchise, it's we're looking at 16, 17 years, right? More so. So, actually, yeah, 23, uh, not 23, excuse me. Um, 19 yeah, years. In 19 so years. 23, yeah. 19 years. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm willing to forgive a lot of that stuff because the character development and the vulnerability that we saw um, 
John expressing as a character was was very refreshing to me. So I really admired um, the story and the character development. Um, but yeah, the traps just kind of fell short for me, like the way that they were structured. I feel like that last scene, like they had the potential to really build up to that and make that something that you could walk out of theater going, holy shit, like that was fucking mm -hmm. crazy, you know? And, uh, and, and there's a part of me that feels like that's too much of, that's too much to ask, but at the same time, yeah, I, I feel like they could have made that doctor's death much more memorable instead of just, it, it, it kind of felt like a letdown to me. It felt like a bit of a cop-out. I get why they did it, but it's like, okay, she's just going to stay in this room and all she has to do is just not breathe in the, the gas and she's fine. And, and that's it. You know, she really, she really didn't get to experience pain or suffering and, and really question her morality in the way that the other characters um, had the opportunity to do with their traps, right? Like, it, it just didn't really work for me, um, yeah. the ending, that is. But yeah, um, overall, I'd say if I had to rank it, if they give it a number out of 10, I'd probably give this, like, a 7, which is, is pretty solid. Like, if mm -hmm. I had to rate it now, like, I'm going to watch it again, uh, and I look forward to that because I'll be able to, to, you know, really break it down a lot more. But yeah, I mean... I'd say seven is probably I'm I'm comfortable giving it a seven out of ten. Overall. Yeah. And I before I go into my thoughts with it because I heard you both talk about the the trap of the promotional poster with the eyeballs. Um, yeah. Did my impression was that didn't happen, right? Like he he was just picturing it. Like the guy was like stealing and he was like picturing mentally like what he would do to that person. Because then the guy I, puts the stuff away and then he's like that. he's like good choice. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I don't so think that. that yeah, that's why I kind of forgave that one, and I, I, I yeah. at least because I'm a, I'm a pretty, I would say I'm 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 leaning towards being a Saw fanatic. I love the Saw movies. Like most of the times when these movies come out, like they they have some weird contraption and trap like on the on the teaser posters, and then a lot of times you don't even see it in the movies. Um, I know like Saw Six, there's this weird one where it was like this like V shaped thing, and you're like, what the hell is that? And it didn't even pop up in the film. So like for me. At least yeah. when I saw the poster, I was like, that looks dope. But I, I was kind of, I don't know. I was like hesitant. Is that even going to show up in the movie? Um, so, but uh, I agree with you guys in the sense that I actually, all everything that you guys said, like a lot of the traps that you, th some people actually pass their traps, like the girl with the leg, like she, she should have given a pass. The trap. Yeah. yeah. The dude with the, the, the brain matter, like he, he technically passed, he put his fucking brain matter in the damn thing. And, and he, you know, it's just maybe another 15 seconds and he would have been okay. He actually did what he was supposed to do. Um, so that, that did kind of, I was joking with my wife when we were watching and I was like, he, he, I said, Jigsaw needs to add like another 30 seconds. To his, and to overtime his counter. He doesn't explain it. Yeah. He doesn't explain like, Hey, by the way, it's going to take like 20 seconds <laughs> for you to, for the, for the shit to go through. Um, yeah. So there's that. The, the doctor lady definitely didn't get her due diligence. Um, and then also just the the thing that my biggest critique was um, John Kramer actually falling for the, the scam. Like for, for me at least, because like for someone who is so meticulous, who's so thoughtful, who's so, you know, like, you know, thinks of every single possible angle... I'm like, dude, like you really fell for that shit. But at the same time, like, I think that's why they kind of garner towards his humanity with his cancer and like the, you know, his desperation just to, you know, overcome it. And I, I think that's what, what saved it. But th that was a nitpick I had where it's like, dude, like 
this is kind of like fishy <laughs> and you're in your and you're going for it so that that kind of took me out but i think the biggest thing for me was just I'm a sucker for it. It's the character development in the story. And like a lot of the intimate moments with John at the beginning, like the first 30, 40 minutes, which I think a lot of Saw fans are going to love or hate. I loved those scenes. I, I think that they were fucking outstanding. The scenes with him and Amanda um, kind of talking about, you know, his legacy and her, you know, passing the baton to her and, you know, kind of what you mentioned, Will, the the stuff with Gabriella, the drug addict. Um, I loved all that stuff. I, I, anything with John Kramer where you can kind of get into like his vulnerability, his psychology, his, you know, him as a character, I'm all, I'm all for it. That's why I actually saw four, you know, it wasn't as good as the original trilogy, but you got a lot of his backstory with, you know, his, the death of his kid and his wife. And you, you had a lot of like flashback scenes that kind of really got you in the mind of John Kramer. And I feel like they did the same thing with this one. So I think that a lot of the shortcomings that you guys mentioned, I agree with, but I was just able to kind of forgive a lot of them just because I loved the actual plot and I loved the actual like character development with like John at that point, even to where like, you know, where he's quote unquote heels and you see him kind of drawing in the book and then he kind of like rips the page out and throws it away. It's like, you know, do I really want to do this anymore? You know, was, was I right? Like you had that quick moment where he was kind of questioning what he was doing. And then obviously that all goes downhill when he figures out what happens. Um, yeah. But I, I loved it. And I, I honestly, the, my favorite part of the whole movie was the, the part at the end with the little boy. I, I know you guys had mentioned it, but I fucking love that scene just because you got a good glimpse of how complicated of a character he is that like he can, you know, kill these people. So, I mean, he doesn't say that he kills people, but he, he does like he kills people so despairingly, but you know, he was willing to sacrifice himself for that boy. You know what I mean? Like he, the, the whole don't pull scene. Um, I thought that was awesome. And I thought it was awesome too, because from my understanding, I think Amanda would like the way he had planned it. Amanda was supposed to be in that boy's spot. Um, yeah. um, and then the boy was kind of like this variable he didn't account for. And having, john kramer in one of his own traps you'd never seen that before and i thought that was like so fucking creative and so unique so um i think that they did so much that was so different that was effective for me that that's why i was able to walk out and say i, I love this movie um the guy who directed this one i don't know if you guys know uh, kevin gruert i can't pronounce his last name i always screw it up um he was the editor i believe saw two and forward um, and he directed okay. Saw 6 and Saw 7. And Saw 7 is like my least favorite entry in the whole mm. the whole series. Um, but Saw 6, I loved this. Like, that was another peak one for me. So he's he's been involved in the franchise for a good portion of his career. So um, mm. I, I, I personally think he kind of hit it out of the park with this one. I'd probably put it with the first three. I need to watch it again, though. Uh, but I was satisfied kind of walking out the theater. I thought this was like way better than I thought it would be because honestly, the trailer, I was kind of iffy on. Um, it looked kind of just generic revenge, torture kind of stuff, but the plot really elevated it for me. So I give it a, a solid eight out of 10. I, I liked it a lot. Yeah, I think that last trap definitely, at least the one that John is stuck in with the with the little boy, that, that speaks to that whole invulnerability that he's he's willing to, undergo um you know a lot of uncomfortable situations in order to to dedicate himself to to his craft so to speak let's use that word for lack of a better way to put it um but yeah that that that's something new that there were things that like i said they they did that were new creative directions for them but again they kept it within that mold of what makes saw saw 
which I, I loved, you know, because they found a way to reinvent it and kind of subvert expectations like with Kramer in the trap. That That's a perfect example of that. Um, but yeah, and also just to show his his human side, you know, I mean, I, I did not expect um, those scenes like with the boy, like when he's helping him fix the bike and, and all those like intimate moments. I, I honestly did not. I didn't expect any of that going yeah. in at all. Really so brought out a different it was, human. What's that? It really brought out like a different human aspect of him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is, I'm okay with that. And and I think you said it, Gabe, that's definitely going to divide a lot of people. Um, But, you know, coming from me, I mean, I haven't followed all the latter films after three and four as closely as other people have. So I'm not as invested mm-hmm. in how, in, or I should say, I'm not as invested or attached to this you know, supposed idea of how Jigsaw is supposed to be or how John Kramer is supposed to act, right? So uh, I'm I'm going to be much more open to that kind of stuff, which which I was. So, but I can definitely see certain segments of the fan base, you know, having having some issues with that as far as how much vulnerability they they showed. So, I think it just boils down to your perception of what John Kramer is. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. to, to me, he's always been, and this is going to sound weird because he's you know tortured you know god knows how many people but he's almost like an anti-villain in a way right where like he's he he, it's hard saying he's a good dude because (laughs) he's so fucking twisted but like he 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 is a good like he cares about people like you know with that with that boy like he cares about decent people who do the right thing and Mm -hmm. everyone that he puts in these traps are just kind of you know people who have gone astray in their life or just have done horrible things so like he he isn't like a bad person in, in a way and that that's why like it's always drawn me to you know the, the whole john kramer psychology thing it's like it, it's a total gray, gray area that you can debate obviously no one should be tortured to death for any mistake that you make but i think that's what makes him such a, such a, such an interesting character and i think that that's what they kind of really amplified with this one was you know, bringing out his humanity, kind of showing like, hey, he's not a, you know, he's not a hundred percent a sick, twisted dude. Like he does care about people, he wants to help people, but he just does it about in the most vindictive and atrocious way possible. I think that's like, uh, you know, that also, I think it correlates with like a very primal like part of us that we have, where it's like, you know, we we've encountered people in our lives that like just do really shitty things, whether it's to us or or to other people. Um, mm-hmm. And I just think that's part of Jigsaw, or in this case, John's ability as a character to resonate with audiences. Because, you know, you all have, or we've all met those people, like I said, in our lives that we just fucking can't stand, right? Like, whether it's, like, how they treat us, or as I said, we, we witness something horrible happen to somebody. Uh, and in some cases, like, those people get away with it, right? Like, they, they don't get reprimanded, or they don't, you don't see justice for those situations. So I can mm-hmm. see why he as a character resonates with a lot of people because they can kind of take out those frustrations that we internalize um you know by just going to see these movies and it's like okay these are people that do horrible things and and you know they really got me with with the whole setup of like the you know the fake care center and that they were doing these fake operations on people and and i think the line is actually i think it's spoken in the movie that's like the the one thing that they took away from people was their hope you know the Mm -hmm. only hope that they had left um, for a better life, you know, in the yeah. situation they were in with cancer or, or a terminal illness. Um, and so that's something that I think it, it touched me in a way. Cause it's like, damn, like it's, it's, it's obviously sensitive subject matter for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But I think going back to what I said, uh, with being able to relate to somebody like him, you know, he's the person that people can get behind because it's like, okay, yeah, he's, he's giving those people their due diligence, right? He, he's, 
he's giving them what many people believe that they deserve. Um, so that that's one of the fun things about the Saw movies, I think, is that you can go and enjoy that kind of stuff without having those thoughts yourself. Because obviously it's like, well, yeah, we can't obviously torture people like that. It's it's not yeah. right. Um, but it's an outlet for, for that kind of frustration that I think a lot of people um, have ex- have internalized due to, uh, I should say, due to experiences that they've had mm-hmm. over the course of their lives. So. Well, we've even, we've even like ex- exemplified that a little bit, just talking about the, the one doctor lady, just how atrocious she was. Like, we all yeah. wanted her like to, <laughs> you know what I mean? We wanted to see a horrible thing. death for her. And it's a I testament think, to the writing of her character, yeah. though, because they, they really sell her like I, I fucking hated her. Yeah, she's a piece <laughs> of just, crap. And, and, and I think that's why the ending was such a letdown for me, because I was like, I yeah. really wanted that to be like such a payoff. And for me, it kind of fell fell short, obviously. But. Yeah, I had a I, I had a buddy who used the analogy where he sees kind of jigsaw as almost like like what you said with the whole primal thing like it's almost like John mm-hmm. Wick you know you see the dog die and it's like okay yeah. you want John to kill every single fucking person <laughs> involved yeah. with that and jigsaw is kind of the same way where it's like you know that these people are you know they're pieces of shit you want to see them suffer um, mm-hmm. and it's just the same thing just kind of in a in a horror kind of horror esque atmosphere so to speak yeah I wanted to ask you guys this. How do you guys feel like it sits between Saw 1 and 2? I don't feel like you need to watch Saw 1 and 2 um, at all, mm-hmm. really. And that's something yeah. that you mentioned to me, Chase, because I had asked you that. I said, well, I'm going to... The way I watched them was actually ideal, I guess, according to some people, because I watched 1, and then I saw Saw X, and then I watched 2 again, uh, and then 3 uh, yesterday. So, yeah, but honestly, I mean, there's there's obviously things that are thrown in there that are, are references to the other films and, and you'll catch that if you're paying attention. But I think approaching it from more of a casual uh, moviegoer perspective, in, in my case anyway, because I'm not as invested in Saw as a lot of other people, I didn't think that it, it makes or breaks this movie. You do not need to see one and two or really any of the other films to appreciate this movie. So yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think it had too much of an impact. I think what I'll say, though, is like, I mean, we've been talking about it a lot, like the relationship between Kramer and Amanda um, mm-hmm. outside of Amanda being a constant um, saw one with the bear trap, um, the bear trap mask, and then saw two her being a participant in the game and then her being like the, the big twist for the most part. Right. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. a viewing experience of saw one, like for somebody that's new, let's say somebody, you know, hopefully you're, if you've never seen saw and you're listening this far and uh, you should turn it off and, you know, go watch it. But I definitely yeah. think it would make for a good viewing experience for somebody as a first time watch saw one X and then two outside of the production value might be a little bit jarring for the difference in times. Right. Um, but just getting that extra level of, really anything from them is like it's just amanda and john kramer are just two of the biggest staples in the first three right they're the biggest Mm -hmm. draw people always talk about them you know amanda john kramer they're the biggest draw for that aspect so getting a more human side or human as human as you can get for serial killers right um so um it, it it makes for a pleasant experience but even if you did just go straight up as they came out because of course, I haven't rewatched Saw X uh, yet again, but I saw one X two, and then I rewatched all of them up to Spiral. And I mean, it, it can really fit in anywhere that you really deem fit to watch it, as long as you understand that it's set between one and two. 
Um, it still makes for a pleasant experience. So I don't think you necessarily have to watch them in that order, but I definitely think it would elevate the characteristics of the characters a little bit more versus having seven episodes or movies that go by without necessarily having like Amanda, like John, of course, is in most of them past three, mm-hmm. right? Um, even with yeah. what happens, like, you know, flashback scenes and stuff like that. But Amanda's in it way less. So having her back, even in the most minor role or even in this instance, a major role is just awesome for a soft fanatic like, uh, you know, Gabe and I are. We're going to watch them every mm-hmm. year that they come out. They come out with them. You know, it's been 20 years that the series has been out. So that averages two movies every or a movie every two years. So yeah. every two years, I'm going to go see one. Yeah, I also low key. I, I have a crush on Shawnee Smith ever since I saw the Blob as a kid. So I'm, she's a babe. I love her. Yeah, so, uh, oh, yeah if she's, she's in a Saw movie, I'll see it. I don't care what it is. Yeah, she's a fantastic actress. I, I kind of wish they actually did. Like, I mean, like I know she's not in a lot of movies now, but like, I mean, I think she's a fantastic actress. She she did a great job with Amanda and just mm-hmm. kind of like what uh, Chase was talking about. I mean her i mean john kramer is obviously the the foundation for the series but i think the stuff between you know kramer and amanda that that's what made the the first three so appealing and ultimately leading up to spoiler i mean we've been talking about spoilers but you know spoiler for saw three where you know the test was actually for amanda like that that actually like blew, that's that's why saw three i can kind of see where chase is going with it like not only with the whole jeff's oh wait jeff is actually the dude from saw three right that's the dude with the the son that died uh, yeah. So I don't know if that razor wire guy was named Jeff, but, um, you know, saw three, like the, the whole thing with Amanda, uh, like being tested by Jigsaw. That's why that was one of the most emotionally impactful twists where, you know, he has his apprentice that he's having to test because she's just turning into, I mean, she's already a serial killer, but I guess you could say she's turning into a traditional serial killer, like where she's actually murdering people and not letting them escape the traps and all that stuff. So, um, the, the dynamic between the two, I love it. Um, and I think this one, you can honestly, like what Chase said, I think it's amplified if you watch, you know, maybe Saw and then Saw 2 or however order you want to do it and, you know, get that dynamic with Amanda and Kramer. But honestly, for a newcomer that's never seen any of them, if for some reason you're just like, you know, hanging out with friends and they're going to see a Saw X, if you just jump in, you might kind of, you know, just be a little bit confused in terms of the dynamic with, you know, Kramer and Amanda. But you could seriously just walk into this movie and watch it just for yeah. what it is and have a good time with it. Um so I, I think that was another draw for it too, was just that it's, you know, you don't need to have all the lore and all the mythos and, you know, get into detail about every single movie. You can literally just walk into this one and have a good time with it. Yeah. And it's so. a really good one-off, like even for people that are new to the series, like I, I think Gabe, you were saying that earlier, that it's really good for a new generation, you know? Mm-hmm. Um it's just really, really good barrier of entry, more so than Jigsaw was really trying to be and more so than Spiral was even trying to be. Um, I definitely think Spiral was the most different out of any of those like solo, you know, trying to do something a little bit different because you can tell there's some passion in that regardless if you love it or hate it. There was some passion for the people that made it, you know, because mm-hmm. um, that was by Darren Lynn Boozman, who I'm pretty sure was one of the original editors on Saw 1 because a lot of these directors have been on most he- of the Saw movies. Yeah, so Boozman or Bowsman, I don't know how to say his name. Yeah. He directed Saw 2, Bowsman. 3. Bowsman, yeah, he directed 2, 3, and 4. Um, yeah. And then came back for, for Spiral. And I, I know a lot of people, that, that one's another hot take one. I know a lot of people hated Spiral. I actually, I mean, I it's not like amazing, but it's I had a fun time with it. It's, uh, you know, I, yeah, it's passable. Like, I mean, I went in and it's so weird that Chris Rock is a hardcore Saw fan, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> and wanted I, to do I that movie. Yeah, so um, I, Spiral was cool. I like Spiral way more than Jigsaw, personally, in terms of if we're, if we're talking about ranking of the series. Like, J- Jigsaw, to me, was just kind of 
a letdown in terms of just, you know, going into more history and there's another apprentice and that's where it just, you, you start getting this fatigue where it's like, how many apprentices does this dude have? Like, you know, you had Amanda, you have detective Hoffman, you have the dude from jigsaw and it's like, who else? And then, and then the, the worst installment, in my opinion, I might get, you know, I, I don't know what people feel about it. Saw seven, Dr. Gordon twist just, I was so pissed. I was so I pissed it. when I, I liked you loved that. it. I oh, liked dude, that. I was so mad. It, it was totally yeah. a play to the fans. Like I remember the forums. I used to be on the, I don't know if people remember this, the house of jigsaw uh, forums. So these forums were like super popular when the saw movies were out. And that's where everyone went on to theorize, you know, what was going to happen on the next installment. And everyone was like, dude, it's Dr. Gordon. It's Dr. Gordon. And like for years, I was like, that's the dumbest fucking thing. It makes like, sense though to me. Well, two things. It doesn't make One. sense to me character-wise, though, because it's like he's he was tested. I mean, like he was he was pissed being in that situation. I'm like, yeah. so what what changed your mind when you got out of there to where it's like, yeah, let me work with this dude. Yeah, yep. I think with what would one thing because I'm fresh off a of rewatch of Jigsaw. Like I just mm-hmm. finished the whole series, except I have like 20 minutes left in Spiral, but I, I remember it well enough. So the House of Jigsaw gets a shout out and Jigsaw. I don't know if you remember that because remember they're talking about forums and websites dedicated mm-hmm. to Jigsaw fans. Yeah, and that's fresh. I just watched that one this morning. So I, that made me laugh. I didn't know that was a real thing. So two, mm-hmm. the only reason it made sense is if it, it would have made better sense had they planted the seeds a little bit better, more so than those envelopes whenever they, they flash back to Jill Tuck and stuff like that. Yeah. So whenever it comes to the Gordon twist and stuff like that, I've always wondered, it was like, he's an engineer. And of course it seems like he has a pretty solid understanding of the human anatomy and how to like do surgical procedures. But saw one only had the most simplest of simple amputation aspects, you know, or like, Mm -hmm. here's a bunch of barbed wire, you know, you've got napalm all over your body. Um, Find these codes on this wall. There was nothing too intricate until we really get into saw two. So like, especially saw three with the, uh, is that saw three where the guy has, um, his eyes sewed shut because they literally shout that's that out. Four. Yeah, that's yeah. four. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense, you know, because I was always wondering who's who's this guy. It can't be Hoffman. It can't be, you know, all of that. I don't want to go into too much because I know um, Will's over here confused. Pass off. No, I actually remember. I remember the, 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 the eyes sewn shut from four. Like, there's, yeah, there's things that I remember visually from that movie. But yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, the, the, and we're we're at the point too with the Saw franchise. Like we said, it's. I think we all agree the first three were probably the best, and then after that, it was just kind of up and down in terms of quality. Um, and I mean, with this one, I, I I think that they're you know they're back up. I, I don't I don't know what they're gonna do in terms of like the future with the franchise because like you guys said, it's Tobin Bell's you know he's he's getting up there. He's eighty one. I don't know. He's eighty one years old. I have Holy it. crap, dude! What a yeah, dude. He lo- he doesn't look it. Yeah, he's a trooper. What a guy. He doesn't look eighty one. Yeah, I mean, um, you, you always wonder how much they have in them. Like, and it differs per person. But you know, you get to that age where physically you just can't do the schedule anymore. To you know, shooting a movie, it, it's tough. I mean, unless you're yeah. Clint Eastwood, but you know, he's <laughs> he stands out. You know, he's he's immortal between. But yeah, yeah, but for him, I mean, because I I could I, I'd be interested in seeing the special features. But I mean, I'm pretty sure that was Tobin Bell with the waterboarding scene. I, I I could be wrong. Maybe they had a stunt double for him, like, you know, taking all that blood. But, like, I, I'm i like, man, that looks like Tobin Bell. So, I mean, if that was him, that's super impressive. I was going to say, what a trooper, if so. Yeah, dude, for sure. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know with his age and, like, also just, like, what we talked about, the timeline. Like, what else can you really do? And and I think that's, 
that's something that they didn't really think about with Saw 3. I know they, they probably just saw it as a trilogy at the time and then, you know, kill off John Kramer at the end. But, you know, when the studio wants to bang out more money, <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, we need to make more, but he's, he's dead. So it's like, what, what do you do from here? I'd be curious to see with the box office numbers with this one. I know we were talking about it earlier, Chase. You said that so far as of today, right? It's, it's at 20... 29.3. So... With an 18 million budget, or here, I got it. 12 million right budget, here. I think. Uh, 13 million They're good, though. Budget. They, they mm. cleared it. They, yeah. They're making money. They're making mm. money. And I'm if just Exorcist doesn't get in the way. do next weekend. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm, I'm, well, I'm, we talked about Exorcist already, but I'm curious how to see how that next weekend goes with the Exorcist premiering Thursday night. Yeah. Should be Friday. And Taylor Swift's so, definitely going to stop at that, that second weekend. She's going to stop oh, everything. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Which is sure. bonkers to even think about. But, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like you guys said, they're still making money. I mean, that's one of the benefits of this franchise is, like, each of these movies, they're, you know, the production cost is so low. I mean, like, most of them, I think, are averaging out to, like, you know, 8 to 10 million. This one's, like, a little bit higher because of inflation probably, you know, 13 million. But that's easy to clear, especially even in kind of this atmosphere that we're in with a yeah. with a solidified franchise. So I don't know if they're going to see that and say, hey, let's, let's knock another one out. But I, I don't know what you do story-wise at that point. I really don't know where you go from here. I don't I, – I might even I, – I may feel about it different about it later. I might even say, like, just leave it as is now and let the franchise kind of you know transition out but i don't know what you guys think about that too much money left on the table doing that yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah that's mean, the thing they're gonna make more i mean if, it, mm -hmm. if it's successful they'll make more and i will say the lower budget's probably the one thing that they have going for them like moving mm -hmm. forward like if they choose to continue to make them mm -hmm. um whereas like i think we you know not to talk about exorcist but i don't know if what was the budget for believer because it was pretty high right I think we said it was like in the 60 million range. 60, 60 like, million. For something Blumhouse has put out, that's that's high for them. So like that, mm -hmm. that to me is much more risky than something like this. If I'm a studio head, you know, or, or running running a production company. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's much easier to green light a Saw film than it is something like Exorcist. And Universal, they paid ridiculous amounts of money. Yeah. Um, because for, they have to pay for the rights, like, right? Yeah. So, yeah, and will yeah, to that's, piggyback that's on the other thing is that might be completely separate from the budget. It's just the rights to produce, you know, another uh, another film. What were you saying, Chase? I was just saying to like Will's point last week, um, whenever he brought up the Pope's Exorcist having like I believe it was like sixteen million dollar budget and making like fifty three, mm -hmm. uh, that, that's a healthy margin versus you know facing you know something much bigger. So. I mean, I would consider it a financial success and especially word of mouth has been pretty decent. I've only heard a couple of people that really aren't, you know, um, too excited with it. I think I saw one person say it was like they really didn't like it, but the critics consensus mm. is pretty solid. Um, a lot of the fans are really liking it, um, whether you, you know, you have mixed feelings like I do. I mean, it's still Saw. Like I've never seen any Saw movie outside of the first three and been like, wow, a majority of that was great. You know, like mm -hmm. Saw 5, the only thing I like in Saw 5 is the pen to the throat. You know, oh God, I hate Saw Five. <laughs> yeah, like the pen <laughs> the to the genes throat. are there. You know that it's still yeah. it's still a Saw movie. Like it didn't go so far outside of the realm of what people's expectations were, where people got like really upset, right? So uh, I think it's relatively safe in that regard. Yeah, and ironically, like what you said, Chase. I I mean, for what it's worth, because we know Rotten Tomatoes is kind of flimsy, but uh, I think it's like the highest rated 
saw entry in, in the franchise on Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes, Cri yeah, critically acclaimed wise, fifty percent or something, which blows my mind to me. I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> That's my. Yeah, I don't get that me. at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it got you know good critical reception. Um, it's a healthy box office margins. I, I can totally see them making more. Um, as a fan of the franchise, do I want them to make more? I'm torn. You know, I love seeing Tobin Bell. I think he's uh, what we were talking about earlier today. I think he's totally under used as an actor. Um, I mean, he's pretty much just in the Saw movies at this point. Um, he's, a, he's a phenomenal actor. I don't know why they don't use him for other stuff, but um, I, I just don't know what else you can do with it as a, fran a fan of the, the franchise, like plot-wise. If all you care about is kills, though, if all you just want to see is just, you know, torture devices and, you know, gory kills, you know, I'm sure they'll just keep making them for that. But um, for someone who actually cares about the story, I, I'm kind of torn if they should continue or not. Well, that's the issue with, you know, most horror franchises, right? I mean, we can talk about Halloween in that regard, too. It's just you get to a certain point, no matter what, what it is, where it's like, okay, where do you go? Like, everything's already been done. So it's like, how do you reinvent the wheel? You know, especially after, mm -hmm. like, 11 films. Like, 11 films, I don't think people realize, like, 11 films over two decades. Like, it's crazy to think it's it's been that long, but mm -hmm. that's a lot. Like... You know, there's only yeah. so many directions you can go in. And again, the, the, the risk is, okay, well, we want to do something new, but how do we also make it not new? Because, you know, if we go in a completely new direction, then we're going to lose a lot of people. So, you know, the more films you make, it's just, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, it's, it just, uh, it gets harder and harder to, to be original, but at the same time, you know, keep everything in there that, that attracts audiences in the first place, especially longtime fans. So, well, I mean, they're definitely going to do Jigsaw in space. That's the next, you know, pull oh, the God. Jason X card. <laughs> Maybe they'll have a liquid nitrogen trap. That'll be, that'll be fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a solid movie on my end. I mean, it sounds like for you guys, I know you guys are like 50 50 on it, but it, it's not something, it doesn't sound like you guys like hated it either. No, I don't. I, yeah, I, I don't dislike time. it at all. Mm -hmm. I, I'd still rank it very much. I'd still rank it much higher than a lot of other recent horror films that I've seen. Mm -hmm. um, some of which we will not name. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, overall, like as a Saw movie, like yeah, it's kind of like fifty-fifty for me, just because you know I had certain expectations. Um, but yeah, overall, it's still much. I, I think it's much. Yeah, it was much more enjoyable than a lot of stuff I've seen recently. So. Um, yeah, so that's Saw X, guys. Um, hopefully, we'll, we'll, I mean, when it comes out again, maybe we'll be able to chime in more in terms of like, you know, how we feel during a second viewing. Uh, maybe we'll do like a live watch thing on, on the Discord or something like that, just to, you know, see how a second viewing impacts us, um, which that moves us over to, I mean, like physical media wise. Um, I think you guys have been more into kind of what's been going on this month than I have because I've been so busy. I mean, what's what's been going on with you guys in terms of like physical media releases? Uh, well, Vinegar Syndrome for our Vinegar Syndrome fans out there. I know there's a few people in the, our Discord that are heavily into that. Uh, they just dropped their October releases today, uh, actually at uh, noontime, a couple hours ago at this point. Um, they got a few things I'm interested in. Mark of the Devil, which is a pretty cool exploitation film, like, you know, satanic panic type movie from the, pretty sure the 70s that I saw a while back. I might pick that up. Uh, I was talking to Chase about Mother's Day, which is a oh, cool... Oh, yeah, I saw you guys uh, texting about it. Yeah, Mother's Day, they're they're putting that out on 4K. I mean, I don't know if it really needs a 4K, but um, <laughs> that's interesting. 
you know, we, we talked about vinegar syndrome and whether or not they're going to, you know, end the year with some bangers and, and these aren't bad. I mean, nothing is like blowing me away, but, uh, I'm probably going to pick up mother's day and mark of the devil, but I'm more excited for this week. There's a lot of big stuff coming out this week. Pray, uh, scream three to name a few. Those are both pre-ordered, so I should be getting those in in the next couple of days. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited to watch Prey um, more than anything. I'm yeah. interested to see how that looks on on uh, on disc. Yeah, that one's going to be, I think uh, I, I, it comes out Tuesday, right? Yeah, Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. So Saw and Prey are my, probably my biggest ones right now. Um, and then they released that. Uh, we were talking about the Chucky uh, Arrow set, which looks freaking phenomenal looks like it's like a uk exclusive though um and that's probably i'd imagine that's probably chase's number one <laughs> pick for the month are, are you did you already pre-order it yeah i pre-ordered the yellow and blue set because i couldn't decide which one i wanted to get and oh, uh, money yeah money bags here. i was pretty excited for that i mean it's nothing real new there's not a single special feature i think there might be one extra special feature um which isn't really that exciting outside of i just want another collector's edition on the shelf um for the most part and i mean i'm a diehard chucky fan really love the series the scream factory releases were pretty underwhelming for its price point and the special features i had a couple of cool audio commentaries on there um i, I just really like chucky and I understand, like, if people don't know or if this might be news to you, but that first Child's Play is Blu-ray. It is not 4K. Um, oh, yeah, and, we were talking about that. Yeah, so it yeah, seems like... Yeah, there was a like, rights issue with that. Yeah, so it seems like Arrow lately, that I believe is the second time because Enter the Dragon uh, was also on that Bruce Lee set. It was a Blu-ray only, so it seems like it might be somewhat of a trend where you might have to play the disc swap game, which I kind of yeah. want to address. I'm not okay with that. I'm really not Arrow okay has with alluded that. To that though. They, yeah, they like, kind of alluded to the fact that they're cool with that. Obviously, seeing as you know the circumstances are what they are. So. Yeah, I just don't want to swap the disc art because I like the disc art on that. Like, I mean, I don't like get my disc for the disc art, but I really don't want to have just one stray disc in there uh, because right. the uniformity of those discs, at least with the pictures that they've released, I'm a huge fan of them. Mm -hmm. I really like how that looks. I like the the little art on it and stuff like that. And I don't want to put in the Scream Factory release. Because at that point, I'll just buy all the Scream Factory ones. And I get the, the 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 box that's a good deal. If you were to go and buy all the Child's Play series individually, it would cost you the price of what I'm getting both of them for. They are $30 yeah. a pop for seven movies. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely not an easy pill to swallow. But, yeah, I'm definitely excited for that. And that's coming out in December. Um, high tension for those that, um, yeah, yeah, I've heard some mixed things about that. But some people are excited for that. Some people are like, why? So that'll be an exciting the one. end is just yeah the the end is just not it kind of just it just doesn't work all flat um, yeah full, well it's just the the twist that they the, the way they chose to go just pissed a lot of people off I pre-ordered the standard edition I didn't get the special edition just because it's like ah, I don't see it being worth like forty seven bucks or whatever it was I think it was like forty six and change at Orbit um and some of the other sites. Um, but up until the ending, it's it's a really brutal movie. Like if you're into like the French extreme, you know, films or French extremity, as they say, I would definitely check that out if you haven't seen it already. But yeah, the rest of the movie's great. It's it's a brutal movie uh, up until the ending. The ending's just like, what the fuck? Like why? <laughs> and I don't want to spoil it for anybody that hasn't seen it, but it's, yeah. it's just like really like very controversial at the time for that reason. So. And who who owns? I, I didn't because I heard you guys talking about this before. I think a few days ago with the uh, the rights issue with uh, Chucky. Like, who owns the rights to Child's Play? 
I'm pretty sure it's. I, I, so it's. I got to look. Oh, at I think the Chase, are you talking? I don't know if your microphone got muted. I think my audio is very low for some reason. I yeah. Um, I think. I mean, you sound fine on my end, but. Yeah. No, I was just saying that it's universal for the most part, and Warner yeah. Brothers, I believe, owns the first one because they're negating yeah. them getting the release over there. That's why they can't get the the UK release on that Chucky set. Mm. Yeah, you yeah. can actually see in the uh, the promotional photos the Warner Brothers logo is on the first disc. I believe it's Warner Brothers, and then yeah, Universal owns the rest. Which I, I mean, that gets annoying when you try to do box sets, and you know the rights yeah. are scattered among so many different people. I know, like, like even like with the uh, like the Tarantino releases, I think those rights were kind of you know varied as well, and that's why it's it's taken so long to kind of get certain releases going, even with that. So. That that is kind of annoying, and especially when you're trying to release a box set. I I'm I'm kind of conflicted on that a little bit. Like you know, having just one that's a Blu-ray and the rest 4K. That's kind of, I don't know. That's a little odd to me. But people are gonna buy it regardless. I mean, it's Chucky. People are gonna you know, they're they're gonna order it. They don't really care. And you could just swap the disc. But like what Chase said too, it's kind of like you know the the disc art is kind of important as well. You're kind of losing some of that uniformity. I hear people like complaining about the the artwork too. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, Arrow does some of the best work that I've yeah. seen uh, regarding their box sets. Like their box sets, uh, excuse me, box sets specifically are like second to none. Like they just do amazing work um, with the artwork. So I don't I don't know where that's coming from. I don't know what what are they saying though? Is it that that it just looks plain? Or? Uh, it, just, it just looks plain, and then they're talking about the spine. Like, oh, there's nothing on the spine because I guess like the spine of the actual box where the arrow logo is they were expecting like something there but it's supposed to imitate like the good guy dolls box yeah like i get why they like i i know what they're going for but i i don't know i just feel like it's more nitpicking like i don't know if just the fact that like people have become spoiled with the amount of physical media that we've gotten the last two years because the last two years have been crazy for releases yeah. everything's um, been blowing up yeah, and I, I just feel like people's standards are kind of, they're getting high to the point where it's like the second something is like slightly below their expectations, it's like they're just like talking shit. And it's like, dude, it's, yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't, I don't see where all that's coming from. Like, you're lucky that you're getting a complete box set, you know, for the most yeah. part, other than 4K on the first disc. But other than that, yeah. it's, it's, it's pretty, it's as good as it's going to get for a while. Yeah, I, I have noticed that too. Just kind of this trend of um, nitpicking, and I mean, I mean, to to some extent, I know we all do it. You know, if if you're passionate about a release and you know you see something that you're not you know happy with, I, I get that. But I mean, like what you said too, it's like you should just be happy that there's a set coming out. Period. Um, mm -hmm. And I I have seen a trend of that where we're we're getting a, like a little bit. I it's so weird, like with the physical media now, where it's like. You know, years ago, we—I don't think there were, were conversations about like, like the artwork and like, you know what I mean, like the slipcover and like all this stuff. But like now, it's become so niche that it's like, I mean, that's that's what we're also looking for. We want a solid transfer. We want a solid, you know, sound uh, soundtrack. But I mean, people care about the the packaging too, to to some extent that it's it's understandable. But sometimes it's like ridiculous, right? Yeah, I'd agree with that too. I, I, the other thing is like. Yeah, like you said, years ago, like, I don't think there was this much, like, people are, like, hyper-focusing on, like, like more minute things now because the market's become, you know, smaller, so to speak, mm -hmm. overall. Like, yeah, people are buying more physical media, but 
I think that number of people is shrinking. Those people are just spending more money. Like they're just investing more. They're like collecting more. Mm. Um, so with that, I think you see some of those attitudes reflected in, okay, well, I just paid so much money for this. Like, why am I going to buy this when I can just buy it here for better quality? Like I'm going to get more extras or whatever it is, right? Like whatever the, whatever their argument is. Um, and we see that a lot, like, like what Chase said, like, I agree that the Scream Factory releases were, were definitely underwhelming. Like one of my things with Scream Factory, I've said it before and Chase and I have talked about this. They, the, the whole collector's edition thing, like a lot of people, um, a lot of people are kind of on the fence about that, you know, like, you know, calling them collector's editions, but yet you have like bare bones or like barely any extras on the disc. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I can see that's like a valid reason to be upset but like in a situation like this like you're getting a lot arrow only uh, excuse me i should say arrow usually does a good job with extras i think this set is killer it's like very uniform like again other than the first disc not being 4k i don't really see why people are so upset about it yeah i mean i think that's also just a whole other conversation and podcast in terms of like how nitpicky we've become and and i i agree i never thought of it that way too that the the community's smaller but people are spending more money just because yeah. like the it, it's just pretty much boiled down to the people that are going to buy physical media are just they're they're the ones that are buying it um but we have like i mean we just hit on the server i don't know if you saw chase like we we just hit thirty two thousand. um so but it's all i don't know if those are just people that have found the community um and you know they were already buying physical media, uh, or if that's a shift towards more people buying 4K Blu-rays, I, I I don't know. Yeah, it's a couple of different factors because whenever you go in, uh, you can see like analytics and insights on certain things, and the discoverability of it, especially so uh, we can end up featured in certain aspects as recommended pages for people who like the Criterion Collection has 172,000 subscribers on there. So the thing is, is we're in the top 1900 of all subreddits on daily posts. So that increases our discoverability. Oh, wow. So somebody might be like, oh, there's a community that actually buys these things, you know, these expensive discs and stuff like that. So, yeah. And then you go in there and you see a lot of Lawrence of Arabia posts and you get hyped for Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> Lawrence of Arabia. Um, yeah. yeah, I know a lot of people were... <laughs> I don't even know if we should talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny. I mean, it's it, it at one point was the hardest to get. And sure. it was a film that like, you know, it won a lot of awards and stuff like that when it came out. Yeah, it's it's it stands the test of time. If you like epics, it's uh, amongst some of the best of the best for sure. And it, it really is up there as one of the best 4K transfers for sure. I'm not going to take mm -hmm. away from that. Uh, but I feel like people are just buying that disc just to buy that disc. Um, I, I, I really don't feel like a lot of people are buying that to actually watch it. Uh, just because like before that Columbia Classics Volume 1 became, you know, highly sought after, uh, mm -hmm. Lawrence of Arabia was not necessarily, I believe Gandhi was talked about more out of that entire set. Like people were more You're stoked right. for Gandhi than Lawrence of Arabia. It became whenever it was like, oh, this is just as good, if not better than 2001 in terms of transfer quality. And then mm -hmm. I don't remember because I remember being very patient. I wanted to try to get a hold of a disc, but I knew they would do a steelbook at one point. So then I got this steelbook. I believe it was summer of last year that it dropped out. Yeah, well, dropped. you and I got it around the same time. Yeah, it, it wasn't hard to order. I don't remember it being oh. hard to get. It was very easy. Uh, I mm -hmm. placed a pre-order and then I remember people even in the community were able to just, okay, hey, I got one. And it went out quickly after, you know, mm -hmm. pre-order shipped out and there wasn't a lot on the shelves. 
my Best Buy had a stack 20 deep on that shelf the day of release. And then now all of a sudden it's just become the most heralded item. And I, I appreciate the film. I get it. And it's a gorgeous steel book. I just yeah. feel like people are buying it for the sake of buying it for sure. $200 on eBay though, like stupid shit like that. Like, dude, yeah, it's man. one of those things where I, I just think it just got out of control. Like it just snowballed like, oh yeah, this transfer is great. And like word spread about that. And then mm -hmm. it's like, well, the steel book sold out and it just, I don't know, just caught on like just a weird situation where now like it's selling for like the prices that it is. It's just crazy. I think it's it was like what you said, Chase. I, there, there's so many different variables that like played into it. I, I think one is, I mean, the first one. I mean, it is a gorgeous transfer. Like, it's probably my top five transfers. I, I've, I've seen it twice. It's a fucking gorgeous uh, 4K, um, and the sounds great too. Um, but I think that the to me the driving factor that I've seen at least the past two three years since COVID, like before we were able to just buy releases like whenever you wanted now it's become like this thing where it's like you pre-order it and especially during the peak covid i remember when like scream steelbook came out and it sold out in like you know a day or two and everyone was freaking out how do i get this scream steelbook and even i remember even with um clockwork orange there's this mm. weird situation where i remember like it it even just the regular standard release like it was sold out and people were like what the like what the fuck's going yeah. on so We've gotten into this like this like weird like atmosphere where I think it, I I hundred percent agree with you. People are getting it just to get it. I don't know how many people actually have watched it, but yeah. it's it's kind of like this like mentality where it's like I'm gonna get this before it it's like something I can't get anymore. And some of that was COVID, you know, production, you know, like I know went down for a lot of like four uh, K and Blu ray re releases. But also some of it's the studio's fault, the way they released it with that Columbia set, and then you know, releasing it individually and then, you know, not announcing when there's going to be a standard. I know there's people on the Discord that still don't even have it because they're waiting just for a standard release. They don't want the Steelbook. They're like, just yeah. give me a standard release with a sleep cover, a slipcover on it. So it's like a multitude of variables, but I think all of that kind of came together. And that's why we have the situation now where it's like, let me get it, let me get it, let me get it. Even if you don't like Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> yeah. And I'll like, I'll poach this out there as well like I, I i still think as like horrible as it is for the people that want to get it i mean you can still get it it drops all the time the stocks yeah like, the stock channel on the discord goes crazy all the time with it and then also on the reddit but the thing is is at least people are putting money towards physical media that's the reason why i won't mm -hmm. complain as loudly as i can mm -hmm. about it because they're still supporting physical media at the end of the day you know if it sells out and all, all copies are all copies are so uh, sold god if all copies are sold, then that's just going to increase more out of those other sets like Gandhi. Hopefully we get that one day. The other var uh, variations, I believe a majority. Oh, no. Taxi Driver hasn't gotten a standard release. Social Network hasn't gotten one. So yeah, hopefully right. some of those things out of Collection 2 do. Because, I mean, I only bought the Collection 3 set uh, for Annie because I didn't know if it would get a mm -hmm. standard release. I, I adore that movie. It's, it's a cute little movie. The transfer looks great. And yeah, I only got it for that, but I didn't want to pay that much for it. But Sony knows what they're doing. It's kind of the same thing with their slipcover game, right? If yeah. you don't buy a Sony release within the first, usually sometimes even if you just don't pre-order it, you aren't going to get that slipcover if you're a slipcover hunter. Um, they know how to target to their audiences and they know how to make money off their physical releases. And it's not like the majority of their releases are trash. A majority of theirs are some of the best in the game from a major mm -hmm. studio. Uh, they really don't miss they're probably one of the most consistent I'd say out of the major studios for sure. Yeah. They're really, really solid for sure. And I'm even a huge fan of Warner brothers. Even the couple of times they've had some misses. I think they have a lot more hits than misses like wizard of Oz. Yeah, I still sure. think is top three transfer out there. I, it doesn't mm -hmm. get talked about enough that wizard of Oz is one of the best transfers. out oh, there. HDR and that is fucking gorgeous, man. Yep. Yeah. Um, but I, I, 
I, I personally don't I don't agree with like Sony's release strategy with these like Columbia box sets it, for, since day one. It's it's just like I, I, I get it. I, I get why they're doing it, but it, it's just you're you're taking away from like tons of people who you know who are passionate about the films who want to see it and who at the end of the day they're going to pay money. Like I, I don't know like what you know how much money they've made selling these sets. You know what I mean? And keeping it kind of exclusive versus just doing a standard release and letting everyone who wants to buy it buy it. Like I mean. I, I just don't get it. It must be profitable doing these sets. Maybe they are making more money that way. But it, it's it just kind of takes away from this, you know, like like what we're used to. It's like a movie comes out, you buy it, and and like I, I don't. I also don't want to buy a box set just for one movie. Like I, I I forgot what what movies were in the second Columbia box set. I I want a Taxi Driver because I'm a huge fan of that movie, but I don't want to buy a box set just for Taxi Driver. I'm with you on that 100. percent That's one of the reasons I don't own any of those box sets, and I will not mm-hmm. buy them. Like, and again, I'm, I'm coming from a place where I only have so much shelf space. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to buy a box set for one or two movies. I would rather just wait for the standard releases. And there's a lot of people in that, in that boat. You know, there's a lot of people that, that don't want to spend the money or if it's, if it's a thing of just not having space, um, they're not going to go for that. So yeah, the fact that they're like holding out on just releasing a lot of these movies individually, like people are waiting for that. A lot of people are waiting for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say out of volume two, uh, volume two, I did manage to snag Anatomy of a Murder out of that one for like ten bucks on Facebook Marketplace shortly after it released out of nowhere, and mm-hmm. that's still one of like top ten transfers out there. Uh, I loved that movie. It was a blind buy. I was just like, oh, cool, ten bucks for something out of a set. I don't have to pay two hundred, one hundred and fifty, however much it was out when it, or was when it came out. Um, but yeah, like they, I, it feels like a volumes game. Um, but it's not like it's without its quality. I do want to make that, that clear with Sony. Like they are extremely solid with their transfers and do put a lot of care into them, but they know how to especially market that Dolby vision game. They, Mm -hmm. they know what people want and they will make sure that you pay for it. They will. Yeah. It's just, I I think they should, I I like the way that Alfred Hitchcock sets are, are dealt with, like where it's like, you can get the set if you want it. If you want the individual releases here, they are too. And I think that that's how Sony should approach these box sets too. It's like, you know, if you want a box set, cool. There are people who are going to buy them and that's totally fine. But it's like, if, if, you know, if there's only one or two movies I want in that box set, give me the opportunity to buy them individually. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting seeing And like what you said too, that the, the Lawrence Arabia is dropping like on the regular now. I see like every few days, Amazon Best Buy notifications and like, you know, people were paying, they were paying that 90, $150 eBay price, which is freaking mind boggling to me. For a movie that you know it, it's going to come out again. I mean, there's no way it's just going to be, you know, like what Disney does, putting shit in the fucking vault for God knows how long. Um, but yeah, hopefully the the I think that now the Lawrence of Arabia stuff has died down a little bit. <laughs> no, for sure. And the craziest part is like even from first party, there's been varying prices every single time it pops back up, which I don't mm-hmm. understand that part of it. Like from Amazon, not even third party sellers, it's been popping up for forty two ninety nine. And as recently I believe I saw it for twenty eight thirty nine. Why Absolutely. is it that's the one I saw, yeah, for twenty eight. And I was like, dude, I bought this thing for like forty from Best Buy when that, that summer, the first release that it came yeah. out. It was like forty bucks, I think. Yep. Um yeah, it so now it's like twenty eight bucks. Yep. It's so just going up and down. It's it's weird. It's it's super weird, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I hopefully that dies down and maybe, I, I don't know, hopefully these studios communicate a little bit more effectively too in terms of what they're planning for releases and not just, you know, having people, you know, wait 
uh, indefinitely for like i mean lawrence of arabia standard release it's like just just let us know when you're doing it <laughs> um but yeah is there anything else going on like in terms of i know we we talked about it on the last episode so we already kind of went into like phys- physical media releases for october um and like with with the only reason we did this episode was because saw x was coming out um so it's because typically i think we're planning on doing you know bi-weekly or maybe bi-weekly or monthly releases so um i know there's not much like new news on uh physical media since we last did the last episode but Mm-mm. um i'm excited I'm sure for warriors um, for what uh the warriors i pre-ordered that oh yeah as soon as i heard about it from uh yeah there are a lot of releases coming out, man. I mean, kind of like uh, Will was saying before we had started, and I think Chase was saying too, it's like, um, I, I don't have the money to pick everything up anymore. You know what I mean? When the, when these releases were like, you know, pre-inflation, maybe like, you know, 20, 25 bucks. Uh, now some of these steelbooks are hitting like 40 bucks. Uh, I think Prey was $40, if if I don't, if yeah. I recall correctly. Um, yeah, Prey was about 40 it, so when you have like you know if there's three releases coming out you know back in the day maybe that was like i don't know like 70 bucks um now it's like you're planning maybe for 120 if you're collecting steelbooks um it's 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 getting expensive buying all of these movies yeah and i think prey just went down to 29.99 on there it's on blu-ray.com right now for 29.99 for the steelbook so if you're listening and you haven't gotten that or pre-ordered it i recommend that really yeah or at least it was no whenever shit. I pulled it up. I haven't refreshed my screen, but when I pulled I got it up, mine through Best Buy. So like, and I know I, I, I'm I'm kind of conflicted. If I should go through Amazon now because at least Amazon, I know they do their whole like you know you get the lowest price uh, possible like that they list it for uh, for the pre order. But I, I think Best Buy just charged me a good forty. For mine. I thought yeah. it was was that not a Best Buy exclusive, right? No, I don't think so. It's it's not a Best Buy exclusive. Amazon had it. Um, I, I don't know if there's another retailer that had it as well. A lot of the Best Buy steelbooks, they aren't actually they 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 package it that way. It says Best Buy exclusive, but you can actually get them through a lot of different retailers. Yeah, um, that was something that was interesting when I first started getting into steelbooks. Was like you know I always thought it was like just through Best Buy, um, but like yeah. the Joker steelbook, uh, the one with uh, Joaquin Phoenix, that one was at Target. I got it for like ten bucks. It was sitting on a shelf. Oh, um, yeah, and I remember at the time people were selling it for like sixty bucks, seventy bucks, because it was like a Best Buy exclusive. It's it's some weird thing that happens. I don't I don't I, I don't know how it works. Mm. But yeah, I mean, we we will probably maybe I, I don't know if we're gonna do an episode next week or in the next two weeks. Maybe I I, I mean, talking about prey would be kind of cool when we well, talk Exorcist about this comes out. And, Believer. Oh yeah, this so we, we might have another <laughs> podcast yeah. in a week. Uh, yeah, because Exorcist is coming out, and I'm curious now because Chase said that his expectations are a little. Yep, <laughs> and I might get to see it Tuesday, but I I might pass oh, on that shit. screening. Um, it's a special screening I got invited to by this fan club, and it's just a standard screening. But I think that's a movie I want to experience in Dolby 100 because I think it'll intensify. You know how I'm gonna walk away from it in that in yeah. that setting with the 7.1. So I think I'm going to still wait for Thursday night, um, but I might have some early thoughts on Tuesday and maybe give it a second go and just maybe even have two takes. But other than that... Um, Coming out an IMAX as well from the trailer I saw, it said IMAX at the end, which I, I don't think it was they'd used any kind of IMAX, I mean, digital cameras, but um, yeah, d- d- IMAX or, or Dolby would be the way to go for sure. Yeah. Cool. And I think that All right, guys. wraps that up. Yeah, I think we... Uh, I think we passed our jigsaw test, right? I think we we clamored and gave Saul all the praise 
uh, it deserves. I think we all appreciate it in terms of a film franchise, whether we love the, you know, the individual releases or not. I think overall, when you look at the franchise as a whole, people do enjoy it, you know, and everyone has their films that they love or hate uh, within the franchise. But it's it's definitely a franchise that's here to stay. Um, and we're excited to see what they do, whether this is the end or, you know, if they keep going, I'm excited to see what they do with it. Yeah, I agree. As a super fan of the series, for sure. It's, you know, I mean, even if they do, I'm still going to go see it. You know, they've got me on, on that hook regardless. I'm going to go see anything and everything. Um, the rumor that I've seen going around even before Saw X come, uh, went around was Jigsaw 2 or Spiral 2. I hope that's not the case. Do something different like this if you do. Oh, please, no. if you're listening, Jigsaw, you put a game out here for us. So please <laughs> do a Saw 11 if you're going to do anything. <laughs> yeah, please. Don't. I don't want another Jigsaw. I, I don't. I mean, I, is that the official rumor that's going around? That's what was going around before Saw X. Is that, that oh, those were Cyx. that those were going into pre-production? It was never officially announced, but those were the strongest of the strongest rumors before we actually got Saw X. So I hope that's not the case. And they do. I mean, let's say even if it's just an Amanda solo, I think that would be cool. You know, yeah, like, that'd be kind of cool. Take away John. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just let her go have her own thing. If you want to, Hoffman's young. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, bring him back and do something else like this. You know, uh, there, there's. Did a, you guys lot see do. the? I don't think we talked about that. Uh, they did a mid-credit scene. I oh yeah, you guys saw the mid-credit I scene. Saw that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is kind of. I mean, everyone's doing it now because of Marvel, but. Um, I thought that was a fun little scene. I mean, it wasn't like mind blowing, but I thought it was cool seeing Detective Hoffman again. Yeah, I agree. Nice cool. little treat. <laughs> yeah. All, All right, guys. Right. Well, we will uh, probably catch you next, maybe next week for the uh, Exorcist Believer podcast, where we're gonna delve deep into Exorcist Believer. Hopefully, it you know, like what we said, we 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 just want a solid experience with it. We don't. We're not expecting anything mind blowing. We just want to come out and say that was a fun movie. Um, but we'll see. Uh, we'll be seeing you guys next week. Um, we appreciate all you guys' support. Uh, we've been looking at the views and monitoring the views and the feedback that you guys have been giving us, kind of like what Will said. We really we appreciate it. Um, we just kind of wanted just to do this, just to just to do it. We weren't expecting anything major with it. Um, we just like talking movies, talking physical media. So the fact that you guys are listening and supporting it, we, we humbly appreciate it. We can't say that enough. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like utmost thank you for all the overwhelming support. Um, we really just did this as a passion project, right? Uh, had zero expectations and, you know, uh, great things come uh, to those people that are patient. And so we greatly appreciate you, those that tuned in for episode two as well and, you know, continue to support. Um, we, we feel the love and we greatly appreciate it. So we're here to provide the content that you seem to like so far. Right. Um, so thank you guys for supporting us in every future endeavor. It's been a wonderful and ride. My door just propped open. I think we passed our test so I can walk out of here, at least on my end. <laughs> I'm stuck here. <laughs> I'll just say this, you know, some people are so ungrateful to be alive, but not us. Not no, not us. Not anymore. We're rehabilitated. (laughs) We got this. Yeah, exactly. New perspective on life. All right, guys, we'll catch you next week. Appreciate you guys. Take it easy, everyone. Thanks, guys.